Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. All right. Can you hear me? Testing. All right, great. All right, well, um, as Brother Tony mentioned, we are in the middle of our study of the Apostles' Creed. Now, some of you may be wondering, why are we going through a creed? What's the value for a church to walk through the Apostles' Creed? Well, when we affirm the Apostles' Creed, we are affirming the basic, basic tenets of our Christian faith, right? Uh, just like when we give allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, We are pledging allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, not to any other flag. We are affirming verbally the pursuit of justice, of liberty, and by default, we are rejecting injustice, the lack of liberty. The same thing is true when we as a church study a creed. We are affirming the tenets of the faith, and by default, we are rejecting anything that goes against those tenets. So, two weeks ago, when we studied that we affirm the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we reject any notion that Jesus Christ was not resurrected, right? That's the value of going through the creeds. Now, this week, as you can see in your bulletin, We are looking at, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. You know, it's really interesting if you stop and think about it, that the Christian community as a whole throughout time has largely neglected the ascension of Jesus Christ. Think about it. On our calendars, we have a celebration of Jesus' birth, of his death, of his resurrection, but nothing to commemorate and to celebrate the pinnacle of the exaltation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Yet, that truth brings us so much about God. It gives us hope to go forward in this difficult life. And if you've been here for the last few weeks, you've heard speaker after speaker say, it's kind of hard to preach out of a creed because it's not three points in a poem, right? It's not one text that you can just dissect. We're looking at text throughout all of Scripture, and it can be difficult. So today, we are going to fly through this tenet of the creed. But the main text of, He ascendeth into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The main text is found in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. It's, it's for, included for you in your bulletin. So I want to go ahead and read this main text, and then we're going to see what the ascension means for us theologically and what it means for us as we go through the Christian life today. So Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Now, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, 
who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The first thing that I want us to look at tonight is that the ascension of Jesus Christ was necessary for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It was necessary for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 7 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, will send him to you. Now notice that Jesus didn't say, as he easily could have, I have to go to heaven because I've been separated from God the Father in heaven for 33 years. He didn't say that. He didn't say, disciples, the the greatest celebration of all time is waiting for me to arrive, so see you later. No, he said, it is for your benefit that I go to heaven. Even in the ascension of Jesus Christ, his love and his grace towards us is displayed. Think about that. Pastor Matt Chandler, who also took his church through this study as well, he talks about the mess that goes on in our Christian lives. He said, and I quote, I was a bad husband, a bad father this week, and I hate that. And how it's a struggle to go through the Christian life, even as believers. But listen to what he said about the ascension of Christ. He said, the reality of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit in us, as found in the ascension is that Christ has ascended and sent the Holy Spirit to be in us. So in the midst of that mess, that mess is refined and used by God. It's not that we don't enter into difficulty, but in the difficulty, Christ is there. His presence and power are there to transform us and turn us and change us from one degree of glory to the next. So the ascension was necessary for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But the second point is, it was necessary for Christ's cosmic and eternal rule. In the Great Commission, found in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus told his disciples, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Right before he was ascended to heaven, that was what Christ uttered to his disciples. And what we have to understand is that when Christ was here on earth, the, the incarnation of God, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, Christ was confined to the space-time continuum that you and I were. What do I mean by that? I mean, Jesus could only be at one place at one time during his ministry on earth. And that's why we see in the Gospels multitudes following Jesus around, just wanting to catch a glimpse of Jesus, wanting to talk to Jesus so that they could be healed by Jesus. The ascension was necessary so that Christ could reign cosmically and eternally through the Holy Spirit. So that in the Holy Spirit, his omnipresence is with us wherever we go. And the disciples went a lot of places and they experienced a lot of things. And Christ was with them and he is with us. 
wherever we go. If you have believed in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and it goes with you everywhere that you go. Christ rules cosmically. He rules eternally. He's not limited to a lifetime that a man's body would require of him in the incarnate. He is in heaven and he rules cosmically and eternally. The third thing that we see regarding the ascension of Christ and the seating of him on the right hand of God the Father is that it displays the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8 says this, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Ephesians 1, chapter, 9, chapter 1, verses 19 through 21 say this, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places? For above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. In in Roman days, kings and princes would go out to war. And when they returned from war victorious, they would come to the capital city in their chariots and they would ride through the streets of the city in victory. And they would carry the spoils of war with them through the streets as they went to their throne. The crowds of the city, the multitudes would come out. They would go to the top of of their houses. They would throw garlands of flour because the victorious king had returned to the capital city. In Psalm chapter 68, it says that the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have led those things that have held man captive because of their sin, now you hold that, that sin, things, those things captive. You hold sin captive. In the, Psalm chapter 47, it says, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. It says, Psalm 24, Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be you lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. The ascension shows us the power and the authority of Christ because when he ascended on high, it was with a shout. It was with 20,000 upon 20,000 of angels. It was this spectacular ascension, the pinnacle of his exaltation, of his holiness, of his victory. He had won in battle. I love what the theologian Charles Spurgeon says about this. He says, brothers and sisters in Christ, everything that makes up your captivity, Christ has led captive. Moral evil he has defeated. The difficulties and trials of this mortal life he has virtually overcome. There is nothing in heaven or earth or hell that can be thought to be against us which, which, which remains 
He has taken all away. He has fulfilled the law. It's cursed he has removed. The handwriting against us he has nailed to the cross. All foes of ours he has made a show of openly. What joy there is to us in this triumph. What bliss to be interested in it by the gifts of faith in him. You see, as Brother Tony mentioned earlier, the glory of the ascension of Christ, it really goes back to the beginning, doesn't it? To Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. When man chose to sin, and with that sin came a price, and the price of that sin was death, the shedding of blood. And for thousands of years, God's people were bound by a system that they could not overcome because they would sin and they would have to slaughter an innocent animal to atone for that sin. But you know as well as I do that we are habitually sinning and that they couldn't keep up. And as we learn in John chapter 3, verse 16, God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, to be the atoning sacrifice for my sin and for your sin for all of time. That is the glory of the ascension of Christ. It's that Christ defeated sin. He held captivity what once held us captive. And that's a good point that I want you to think about today. If you are a believer in Christ and you are living in the bonds and the chains of sin, you need to realize that your captivity is a voluntary captivity. Christ has already broken the shackles. He's broken the chains that are holding you captive. So if you are in captive in sin and you are in Christ, throw off those chains, live free as a man and a woman in the Lord. If you are not a believer in Christ and you are held captive by the chains of sin, today repent before the Lord who paid for that sin on the cross. You can go through life with an addiction, with a sin, whatever you may be, and you can replace that addiction with another addiction. You can replace that habit with another habit. You can do this instead of that. But if you want true freedom in life, you have to put your sin at the foot of the cross. Nothing that you have done is greater than the price that Jesus paid on the cross. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says that Christ came into the world to what? Save sinners. You don't have to clean up your act to come before Jesus Christ. He came to save sinners. So go to Christ. The fourth thing that we see about the ascension of Christ is that it gives us confidence to pray. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Having been tempted in every way, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Some of your translations may say with boldness. We serve a Christ who lived among 
us who was tempted in every way. He understands our prayers when we pray. He advocates for us to the Father. We are not praying to a God who doesn't understand what it's like to go through this world. That should give us confidence to pray. John Calvin, the theologian, <clears throat> he had a great quote on this as well. He said that this, his seat beside the Father, Jesus' seat, is not without advantage to us. He said, having entered the temple not made with hands, he constantly appears as our advocate and intercessor in the presence of the Father, directs attention to his righteousness so that, to turn it away from our sins. So reconciles him to us as by his intercession to pay for us a way of access to his throne, presenting it to miserable sinners to whom it would otherwise be an object of dread as replete with grace and mercy. In other words, it's a huge advantage for us that Christ advocates before us. Can you imagine going before God Almighty and having to face a righteous and perfect God without Christ? But Christ who was on earth, who went through everything that we went through, advocates for us. He turns the focus from us to him, and he says, they are righteous because of me. Not because of them, but because of me. That should give us confidence when we pray. The fifth thing that we see about the ascension of Christ is that it gives us a heavenly hope. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 through 22 say this, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. John chapter 14, verses 2 through 3, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Again, Ephesians chapter 2. But God, don't you love the but God statements in Scripture? But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses and sins made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I love how one pastor uh, in Mississippi, Lignan Duncan, he describes this. He says, you know, as I'm paraphrasing here. He says, you know, as, as followers of Christ, we, we share in the persecutions because the world persecutes those who fall... Christ. He says, but we also share in the inheritance. And that is the hope of the ascension, is that we have a heavenly hope that just as Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father, because of Christ, we, can, we have a heavenly hope. The, what Adam prevented us, we now have access to through Jesus Christ. That gives us hope. Without Christ, we would not have that hope. And finally, And kind of the culmination of of what we've seen so far is that the ascension of Christ, it motivates us to missions. Acts chapter 1, verse 11 says, 
This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So Jesus ascended on to high, in, the, in the sky. The disciples were, were looking up and he had gone into heaven. And these two angels come to earth and they, they say, basically, hey, he's coming back, you know. And they didn't say this, but he just gave you the Great Commission to go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I had commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So as they were looking to the sky, the angels come and they remind him, hey, he's coming back. Just as we saw him go, he will come back. And that's what we were looking at in the weeks to come. But we still have a mission here on earth don't we? The Great Commission, to reach the nations for Christ. You know, it's kind of funny to me that in the English language, the word gospel begins with go, right? Go on missions. Yeah, you can come up with as many excuses on why you should not go on missions, but none of them are going to hold up the scripture, right? Because what does Christ say? He says, in your weakness, you are strong because of me. And we see that in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see people, men who come to God with excuses, I can't do this or I can't do that. And God says, yes, you can, because I will equip you to do what you need to do. So let me ask you this. If we have the Holy Spirit, if Christ rules cosmically and eternally on the, right, on the throne, on the right hand of God the Father Almighty, If he has all power and authority, all principalities, everything is at his feet. If we have a heavenly hope that one day we will join him in heaven. What do we have to be afraid of? Go on missions. This should motivate us. The ascension of Christ should motivate us to go on mission. Whether that's at your workplace, whether that's in your family, whether that's in a separate state, a separate country, wherever you can go, go on mission. Go on mission here at this church. Brother Tony mentioned that we had 900 people at our new campus. Praise God. But we also have, because of that move, a lot of need here at this campus. Plug in. Go on mission. Be inspired by the ascension of Jesus Christ. So that's why we study the Apostles' Creed. Because it covers the basic tenets of our Christian faith. I'm going to give you a challenge. On your calendars, mark out 40 days after Easter. And make that Ascension Day. And celebrate the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the pinnacle of His exaltation. And remember that the Ascension motivates us to carry out the mission that he gave us right before he ascended. Will you you pray with me as we close? Gracious Lord, thank you for this uh, church, Lord. Thank you for ascending to heaven and seating at the right hand of God. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit, God. Thank you for your mercy, for your grace. Lord, I ask and pray that if anyone here today is a believer and they're living with shackles that that you have already broken, atoned for on the cross, that they will today cast those off.
and live in the freedom that is in you, Jesus. I pray that if anyone is here and they do not believe in you as their Lord and Savior, today they will, Lord. Today that they will repent of their sins. They will confess their sins before you, Lord, that they will ask you to be the Lord and Savior of their life, and they will experience life as they have never experienced it before because they will be experiencing it in you. I pray that this church will continue to reach this community and the world for your gospel, Lord. We thank you for the ascension. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship service, we are in a sermon series called It's All About Jesus. Each weekend, we study a passage from the Gospel of Luke and learn about a different aspect of Jesus. We would love for you to join each week as our pastors teach how Jesus is the answer to all of life's questions and needs. You know, there's a lot going on at Silverdale, and we want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all the different social media platforms. You'll find the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.